much. And yes, it can apply a little bit, but a more appropriate um, title for the sermon today would be something like how to thank Jesus, how to put a smile on his face, how to warm his heart. Um, so anyway, um, I thank you. People told me that they're praying for me out there. I feel inadequate up here. I'm probably the last person that should be standing before you up here. And so I would just like to pray before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we stand here as broken vessels. Please use us. Speak through us. That people would see you and not me or us, we pray. In Jesus' name. So I'm supposed to do the intro, right? And this is a definitely back and forth business here. And I totally have forgotten what I was supposed to say to intro this. Except that we have, yes, that we, we want to witness. We want to tell other people what Jesus means to us. And Sabbath school is so appropriate in everything she was saying. And, you know, how often, I know this applies to me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, that it could be scary, it can be confusing, it can be how do I do this kind of thing to share your faith. And this story has touched our hearts because it's simply a way to do it. And like Alicia was saying at Sabbath school, no one can argue with your testimony. What's in your heart, what your experience is, when you share that with someone, they can't argue, right? It's your experience. It's your heartfelt what happened to you. So in telling the story of Mary again, because we know, we all have read this, we all know the story, Hopefully we will gain a greater insight into what she went through, what she experienced, and what, how it affected Jesus. God is good. He can be trusted. He will accomplish in you what he has promised to accomplish. I'm going to start out with a story that may or may not be Mag Mary Magdalene's story. We don't know for sure, but it works in the series of stories that we're going to start with this morning. Mary lived just outside the capital. She was connected to very powerful people. The whole family was Lazarus and, of course, Martha, her sister. She was the black sheep at a young age. Simon had seduced her. We know this. We know that she had seven devils that Jesus later was able to cast out of her. But the story starts out 
with Pharisees trying to trick our Savior into making a mistake that either he would offend the Romans or offend the Jewish people. So they set a trap, and they set Mary up. And when they caught her in the middle of adultery, they dragged her to where Jesus was teaching in the temple, in the courtyard. She was terrified. She was trembling. She was mocked. She was thrown down on the ground. She could barely look up, just plain terrified. She heard the scribes and the Pharisees say to Jesus, Moses, this woman was caught in adultery. Moses says that we should stone her. They had kind of misused Moses because the, the spouse in the law of Moses was to bring the charges forward. And there were to be two people. You can't commit adultery alone. So Jesus looked at the scene, bent over, didn't say anything, acted like he didn't even hear it, started writing. Mary just kind of, not sure what's going on. The scribes and Pharisees started pushing the issue because he acted like he didn't see it. And so they came up to Jesus and to see what he was doing. He was riding on the ground. Jesus stood up. He looked at the crowd. And he said, let you, the first of the, the I'm sorry, I'm screwing up here. Um, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Inspiration tells us that Mary didn't hear comfort in those words. That she was even more terrified and knew that she was about to get it. Jesus then turned around. He kept writing in the dust. The scribes and Pharisees that tried to trick him, gathered around him, saw what he was writing. Their countenance changed. Uh, one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they started leaving. And we get down to a point where there's just the people Jesus and Mary on, still on the ground. And uh, Jesus asked Mary, where are those who accused you? None. There's none, Lord. Mary knew who Jesus was. She had tried to fill the hole in her soul with pleasures of this world. Alcohol, sex, all you name it. We find so many things to fill that hole that only Jesus can fill. She wanted to come to Jesus, but she thought she was not worthy. The words of Jesus melted her heart. He looked at her and said, Mary, I don't condemn you either. Did Jesus lessen the sin when he said that? Did he say that sinning was no big deal? Not one bit. But he melted her heart by saying, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Inspiration tells us that this woman, Mary or not, grabbed the feet of Jesus and cried, confessing her sins. Since her life was changed, inspiration tells in, this, in Desire of Ages that her life at this point changed. 
her heart was completely broken, subdued, and her life after this point was totally different. We see interaction again between Mary and Jesus. It was at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Jesus couldn't find comfort in his own family, his mother, but his brothers didn't accept him. He was almost stoned in the town where he grew up, but he found love and acceptance in the home of Mary, Lazarus, and Martha. Mary, we see her again at the feet of Jesus, just soaking up like a sponge what he had to say to her. And all my life I thought, well, Jesus, when Martha came to Jesus and said, I'm doing all the work, tell Mary to get up and help me. I always thought Jesus' response was kind of chewing her out, but I found out this week that the church needs Martha's. <laughs> and it really wasn't a huge chastisement. But Jesus told her, Martha, you have so many worries and concerns, but there's really only one thing that really, really matters. Mary has chosen that. It won't be taken from her. That is a promise. When we go to the feet of Jesus, I forgot to bring up my Bible. And we ask him to teach us. That is a precious time that it's a promise that won't be taken away from us. And it can be a joyful, uh, a wonderful experience, your time at the feet of Jesus. Okay. Mary... who had the seven devils cast out of her, her heart was melted, wanted to thank Jesus. Her love was great for him, for she, was, she felt so changed. There was so much gratitude. It was the attitude of gratitude that was in her heart to drive her to somehow thank him. And although... Inspiration tells us that she may not have known that the Holy Spirit was leading in her heart to do what she did, what she thought, and she listened. The disciples didn't hear Jesus. Jesus, at least three times to this point, had told him that for the plan of salvation, he was going to have to die for them, to take their sins upon himself. They didn't listen. They were looking for a king. They wanted to know who was going to be first in the kingdom. Mary is the only one that we know that really heard what Jesus was saying. She had a vial of precious ointment that I read somewhere that would take an average worker a whole year to be able to earn enough money to buy it. It was really expensive, precious. She decided that she was going to anoint her Savior in, in a love offering out of her heart. 
it wasn't the costly ointment that touched Jesus' heart. It was because of the love and the gratitude that she came to him. It was at a feast. It was at a feast in Jesus' honor, actually. Simon was a leper. He was also a Pharisee. He's one of the very few Pharisees that became a disciple of Jesus and a true disciple of Jesus. But after Simon was uh, cured of leprosy, he believed that Jesus was something. He knew probably the Messiah. He wasn't really totally converted, but he was, he was thankful that he had been healed of leprosy and invited Jesus to a little feast, and he was going to honor Jesus that way. Mary's sister Martha was also there serving. We know this. Lazarus was there. We know that Lazarus was a huge attraction because Jesus had bought him back from the dead at this time. Um, Mary waited kind of in the back scenes until things kind of quieted. She thought maybe she could sneak in and anoint his head and his feet. But I don't know what Smoknard is, but apparently it's really fragrant. And as soon as she broke the vial open, poured it on his feet and his head and anointed him, the crowd was definitely aware. I mean, right away. We hear Judah stand up and say, as Roddy read to us, this is a waste. This should have been sold, the money given to the poor. That hurt Mary. She was beginning to feel a little embarrassed. We also know that, that Mary was worried about what Martha was going to say because of her extravagance. And Jesus read the thoughts of Simon. Simon thought, if he only knew what kind of woman this Mary is, he wouldn't have her kissing his feet and... and and touching him even. As human beings unconverted, and even, unfortunately, in my case, after. We hate the sinner. We are sinners. We love sin. But we look at a thief, or I don't know, and we hate that sinner. What does God do? Does God... Uh, Hate the sinner or the sin? God hates sin. He loves the sinner. So Simon was judging Mary when he himself had been one that probably was a, uh, what's that word when you have sex with an un, a, a pedophile, with an underage child? He probably seduced Mary way back when she was a teenager. So here he's judging and he himself Jesus could have jumped down his throat harshly, but he did not. He said, Simon, can I say something to you? And Simon said, sure, go, go right ahead. He goes, Simon, if a man owed, let's say like a million dollars, I don't know Bible money, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
and couldn't pay it. And another man owned 50, owed $50 and couldn't pay it. And the banker, knowing that they couldn't pay their debt, forgave them. Who would be more grateful? Who would love the banker more? And of course, Simon said, well, I suppose it would be the man who got forgiven the biggest debt. And of course, Jesus said, you are correct. Mary, her sins were many, are forgiven her. Don't pick on her. She's doing a good deed. She's done all that she could. You remember when Jesus praised another woman who, out of a heart of love, gave, I, I guess, two cents or whatever? She gave all she could. That's important to Jesus, that we give our all. That is pleasing. And then he went on to tell Simon, when I came here, you didn't give me water to wash my feet. This woman has continually washed them with her feet and washed my feet with her kisses and, and, and the ointment. When I came here, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since she started that softened Simon's heart. Jesus, because he had gone a different way, Simon saw where he had erred. And Simon then became a true believer who served Jesus with love and devotion, it says. And uh, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> I just want to recap and give a little bit more maybe info on each of the characters in this story. Some of it will be repeating what Mike said. I hope that's okay. Um, Simon was an important person in this Bethany and he was accounted to be a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the few Pharisees that openly joined Christ and his followers. He acknowledged him as a teacher and he hoped, fervently hoped, that he might be the Messiah. But he had not accepted Jesus as his savior. His character was not transformed. His principles were unchanged. Jesus had healed Simon of leprosy, which was huge. So few people, no one could do that, right? I mean, this was a miracle. And still, it drew Simon to Jesus, but it didn't change him, not yet. And it was because of his gratitude, he had the beginnings of, of the Mary type of gratitude, and that's why he gave this feast for Jesus and his disciples. So we, we know that Judas, his quick criticism, his condemnation of Mary's gift, when the wonderful smell of the oil pervaded the room, Judas was quick to jump. And Ellen White says that most everyone in the room, they were swayed by what Judas said. 
they thought, well, yes, of course, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? And Jesus instantly knew Mary's heart, her reaction, um, how she was feeling. And he wanted to he wanted to rescue her. He wanted to help her understand, know that what she did was a good thing. Um, back to Simon, though, Jesus was very gentle in his pointing out to Simon what his misconceptions were. He could, he could have. He had every right to say something harsh both to Judas and to Simon, and he didn't. If he had come down hard on Judas, it could have been used as an excuse. Well, Judas went and denied him and, and sold him for 30 pieces of silver because Jesus was harsh on him. Of course he would go and do that because he was upset. And Jesus knew that, and he only gave Judas a look. And Judas knew his heart was touched but not changed. And we know that it was this night Judas left this feast and went to the Jewish leaders for the, the 30 pieces of silver. And so Jesus still gave him every chance, didn't he? He didn't cut him off. He didn't cast him aside. And how thankful I am that with his parable of the debtors that Simon responded, that Simon's heart was touched. Before the story, before he had pronounced his own judgment in understanding that, oops, yes, the one who sinned the most, the one who owed the most, is going to be the one who loves the one who forgave the most. He had despised the compassion of Jesus deep, deep down. He did not recognize him as God. And while Mary was a sinner pardoned, he was a sinner unpardoned. The rigid rule of justice that he desired to enforce against Mary now condemned him. He now saw his own heart. He saw the state of his heart in a new light, and he could see things correctly. He saw how Mary was regarded by Jesus, who he now understood was much, much more than a good man and a prophet. He saw that with a keen prophetic eye, Christ read her heart of love and devotion. He knew Mary, Simon did. He knew her character. He knew that she went 100% with everything she did. And he knew that she had a heart of love. Shame seized him, and he realized that he was in the presence of God. Simon was touched by the kindness of Jesus and not openly rebuking him before his guests. Can you imagine if you were in that position and Jesus cracked the whip over your head and said, how dare you? And everyone was there, and Simon had thrown this big party. You can imagine what his reaction would have been. Simon knew that he had not treated Mary as, or that he was not treated how he would have treated Mary. Simon 
how Simon would have treated Mary. He saw that Jesus did not wish to expose his guilt to others, but sought by kindness to subdue his heart. Stern denunciation would have hardened Simon against repentance, but patient admonition convinced him of his error. He saw the magnitude of the debt which he owed his Lord. His pride was humbled, he repented, and the proud Pharisee became a lowly, self-sacrificing disciple. It was a life-changing event for him, this one was. When Mary had heard the words of criticism from Judas and saw everyone looking at her, her heart just, she was just trembling. She would have been so happy to sneak in, anoint Jesus' feet and his head, and sneak out without even thinking how impossible that was to do. I think we've got a next slide. <laughs> and even the next one. Okay. Um, I, growing up hearing this story, I didn't know the real deep reasons why Mary did this. And in studying it deeply and, and for this sermon and this talk, it's, it was like understanding, it, it became clearer to me. Jesus knew that her attitude that her heart it was an actual overflowing of his love his love filled her and overflowed back to him and this the ointment was a symbol of her heart it was a, a direct symbol of the love that was in her heart and how it just completely overflowed her to everyone around her. The gift that she gave, the anointing, was deeply, deeply personal. It was not something that she could give him that he could then give someone else. It was completely appropriate for what was about to happen to him. It touched his heart with the assurance of her faith and love. As he went down through the next couple, the next week, I think it was with the Gethsemane and the cross, Ellen White says that the remembrance of what she did for him gave him strength and gave him courage for what he had to face. Her gratitude was based on his life-changing forgiveness and the life-changing that she felt that she had in her heart from her, the forgiveness that he gave her and how he had changed her life. Jesus led a very lonely life. We're told that, that 
so very few of the his followers understood what he was up against, what, what was going to happen, but that Mary did, and that her anointing also gave him a renewed, something tangible he could hold on to for the future, looking forward to the time when he would have all of the redeemed with him all the time, loving him. I mean, why did God make us, right? To love him. He made us to give, to be part of him. And we, we lost that with sin. And so he is looking forward to heaven and to the time when he has this love that Mary gave him. So it was a very tangible, very real, real thing that he did, that she gave him. Christ delighted in the earnest desire of Mary to do his will. He accepted the wealth of pure affection, pure love, which his disciples did not and would not understand. The desire that Mary had to do this service for her Lord was of more value to Christ than all the precious ointment in the world because it expressed her appreciation of the world's Redeemer. The love he poured out on every person he met had found a receptive heart. His love poured back to him, validated and strengthened him. The matchless excellence of the character of Christ filled her soul Mary had been looked upon as a great sinner, but Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life, just like he knows all the circumstances of our lives and what we are led to do or to react or to see and how our past, how our growing up, how everything that happens to us affects us. He might have extinguished every spark of hope in her soul, but he didn't. It was he who had lifted her up, who had forgiven her, forgiven her sins, who had rebuked her demons seven times. She had heard the strong cries to his father that he made to heal her, to give her victory. And this is a key point. She knew how offensive sin was to Jesus' pure character, his purity. And it was through his strength that she had overcome. Mary did not know the full significance of her act of love. She could not answer her accusers. She could not explain why she had chosen the occasion for anointing Jesus. The Holy Spirit had planned it for her and she had obeyed his promptings. Inspiration stoops to give no reason. An unseen presence, it speaks to mind and soul and moves the heart to action. It is its own justification. How precious it was that Mary had listened and responded. How sad that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus did not offer their gifts of love to Jesus in his life 
but with bitter tears they brought their costly spices for his cold, unconscious body. Put yourself in their shoes. I can see their grief and their, their tears, their bitter tears, how it says here as they, they looked back and remembered Mary had done this when he was alive. Now we're doing it after he's gone. Christ values acts of heartfelt courtesy. When anyone did him a favor, with heavenly politeness, he blessed the giver. He did not refuse the simplest flower plucked by the hand of a child, and he off offered to him in love. He blessed the givers, inscribing their names in the book of life. His heart is grieved when his children neglect to show their gratitude to him by words and deeds of love. Now, so often we think that we can work for Jesus silently, behind the scenes, and we can, and we do. It's all good. We think and we know that he sees our hearts. He knows how we feel. But I believe that what touches his heart the most is when we show how much we love him by loving someone else. It's a personal gift to Jesus. What joy it is to offer God a token of our gratitude for all he's done for us. For life, strength, forgiveness of sin. And there's so much that hasn't even happened that we have to be grateful for, right? We're looking forward to heaven. We have years left to live. People to reach. Life to live. And that's a lot to be grateful for. As big as God's universal plan of redemption is and how he works big, when he works one-on-one -on -one through us, it is deep and powerful and life-changing, more than the bigger picture. God rarely does, I should read this word for word. This was an amazing statement. which, of course, I can't find right now. <laughs> there was a, I don't know where I wrote it, but it said that if people, if humans can do something, God doesn't always send divine help. It's our place. It's what he wants us to do. And it's far more effective than... Um, going the big route, one-on-one, -on -one, connecting with someone. I'm sorry that it's so far past. Can I indulge on you just a little bit longer, finish it up, try to tie it up? I'll do it as quick as I can. Okay. We find ourselves again with Mary at the feet of Jesus at the crucifixion. I just want to bring it up quick that every time it seems that Mary Magdalene is mentioned, she's at the feet of Jesus. There's something there. The day that Jesus rose from the grave is the next time that Jesus and Mary interact. There was a great earthquake. The angel rolled the stone back from 
from, uh, what's his name, uh, the Simon, who's doing with that, I'm sorry, doesn't matter, Ar somebody from Arimathea, I think, but um, Jesus is resurrected, he comes out, well, Mary, Mary's actually, and, and Simone are on the way, it was happened when he was crucified Friday, it was so late that they did not prep his body for burial, so they had to wait till after the Sabbath day, and they early on Sunday rose, to go prep Jesus' body. They wondered, how are we going to get to his body when the stone's in front of it? And when they got there, they saw the stone was rolled away. They went in there, into the tomb, it says, and an angel, one of the gospels says two angels, but we know an angel was sitting there. Jesus didn't want his disciples to not know what was going on he was supposed to get back to a great celebration in heaven. He had been away from his father for at least 33 years. A part of his heart longed to be in heaven. There was going to be a great celebration in heaven, a triumphal entry, a ticker tape parade, as you will. And so he had left an angel to tell his disciples what was going on and where you could find him in Galilee in a little bit week. And anyway, Mary went in there, and the angel told him what he was supposed to. You are looking for the living among the dead. He is risen like he told you. He tell the disciples that you will see him in Galilee and whatever it was, a few days. But Jesus' heart was touched. Mary's heart was broken. She was fearful. And Jesus had been touched by Mary, decided, okay, hold, hold on, hold the show. I've got to go see Mary. And so as Mary was leaving, Mary sees, she still is confused by what she's heard. She sees somebody who she thinks is the gardener, and she says, Sir, if you know where they've taken my, the body of my Lord, could you please tell me so I can go and get him? This is so touching. There is something in what Jesus said when he said, Mary. There was something there that her heart was instantly turned from fear, from sorrow, from being heartbroken to extreme gladness and joy that she shrieked out, teacher, and lunged and grabbed his feet. I think there might have been more tears on Jesus' feet, but I don't know. It's not in the inspiration. And... At that point, Jesus said, you know, I, I really got to go. I've got an appointment. I really got to go see the Father. But meet me in Galilee. And just to tie all of this together and bring it up, you know that Mary is our example on how we can thank the Lord, our Lord, and our Savior. She is really the only one we have that actually thanked Jesus before he actually gave the ultimate um, sacrifice. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I can say I am a sinner of many sins. Thank the Lord that he has forgiven my sins and has put a stamp right by my name that says forgiven, pardoned. And... I would like to close. We would like to close. Oh, I am so sorry. 
I'm, so sorry. I'm a little slow time. here, but I wanted, we wanted to bring this into everyday life and how can we, like Mary, sit at Jesus' feet? Okay, you tell me, how do we sit at Jesus' feet? Spending time with him. Um, attentive listening. She soaked it in. Bible study, prayer, having a receptive spirit, right? The second thing we picked out of this was humility. Recognizing our sinfulness, our frail human nature. And the opposite side of that is what God is, right? His sovereignty, his being the creator of everything. He is the big boss. He is number one. So the flip side of that is the worship that we give him. Respect and honor has got to be a big thing. Mike kept trying to say how when, when Mary over and over and over was at Jesus' feet, what does that show? What's the significance of hanging on to his feet? And it was the, the respect and honor, I think, is a, is a big part of that. So now we want to sing a song. And if um, Father, I adore you, do you know that? And we, we want to just lift our hearts in praise to God and, and tell him how much, how much we love him. It's only from a grateful heart that our works have any meaning to our God. Uh, for, and in this song, I would invite you to sing from your heart. Grab the feet of Jesus and don't let go. It's a love song and a praise song. It's a simple song, but it has a lot of meaning. There's not enough to do around. Maybe we could stand. It's, it's one that I hope you all know. We couldn't find it in the book. It's uh, got simple words. It's Father. I adore you. We lay our life before you. How I love you. I'm going to sing it three times with Father, Jesus, and Spirit. Father, I adore you. Oh, good. What number? 151 in the red book. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. We looked and noticed we didn't have a red book at all. What number is it? 151. In the red book. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. Jesus, I adore you. Thank you. Do you want to close with prayer?
if you want me to. <laughs> Dear Father in heaven, thank you for being with us. Teach us how to receive your love and to give it to others. Help us to know you and understand you better and better, that our lives may be a sacrifice to you and that we can reach other people and share your love with them. In Jesus' name, amen.